a 25-year-old Jamestown woman vanished. This one became suspicious uh, within the within 24 hours once we realized that something had actually probably happened to her, that there was criminal behavior involved. So I called her back maybe 10 to 15 minutes again and left a voicemail, and that was it. And I never heard from her again. Instead of taking the path, she, like, cut through. And I think found the human bones. And they located and they were able to positively identify it as her Yolanda Bendix. A 17-year-old cold case gets fresh eyes under new leadership. After all this time, there are two persons of interest, but no arrest. We don't believe this was done uh, by somebody acting alone. This is Unsolved, true crime in Western New York. Welcome to Unsolved, true crime in Western New York. This is our very first episode where we dive deep into cold cases and unsolved crime in the Western New York region. I'm Leanne Stock. And I'm Amanda Berg. Thanks for joining us. Let's just start out by telling you a little bit about who we are. We both work for WGRZ, the NBC affiliate TV station here in Buffalo, New York. I'm a producer. And I've been a reporter at the station for the past few years now. Every week, Amanda and I are going to dissect a specific unsolved crime. We're going to speak with the people who are directly affected by them and their quest for justice. Unsolved originally began as a weekly television series that we had at 11 o'clock on WGRZ. Due to the pandemic, we had to pause for a little bit, but now we're coming back and we're taking Unsolved to a new platform. With Amanda's help, we want to continue to tell these stories, your stories, Western New Yorkers who are still searching for answers. Leanne, this podcast has been months and months in the making. Um, And before we get into today's case, why don't you just talk about why you started the Unsolved series for television and how it kind of became what it was. Yeah, I mean, I noticed the sheer number of unsolved cases that are in our community. And there are so many families who are searching for justice, who are left without any answers about why or what happened to their loved one. So I brought this idea to our team at Channel 2 about starting a series of featuring a different cold case every week, a different unsolved crime every week. And that's really kind of how it developed. And I realized how important it was to the people I spoke with to have their story out there because they want people to know what happened and they're looking for answers because if anybody has any information that can help solve the case, they want to get the word out. I hope that by telling these stories, we will get people who might know about something and might be able to kind of help out. And, you know, like you said, this project was on pause for you um, before I started. And I started here about a year ago. And it was probably eight months ago, Leanne, back in early January around the new year, I was pitching a story just in general about a cold case, the Tanya Harvey case, which we're actually going to get to in this series, um, not really knowing that you had done all of this unsolved work. And Now, (laughs) here we are, you know, I have more of that audio and sound background and we both have an interest in true crime. We're both from here. So the things that happen in our community, um, you know, they really, they matter. And with that, let's just get into the details of our first case. This one takes us down to Jamestown, New York. 
That it does. And if you're not from here, Jamestown is about 90 minutes south of the city of Buffalo. It's very close to the Pennsylvania border. And that's where you'll find the small city on the shores of Chautauqua Lake. So our first case is the case of Yolanda Bendix. Yolanda Bendix was 25 and a mother of four daughters. She lived in Jamestown and worked at the local family dollar. It was Tuesday, August 10th, back in 2004, when Yolanda went missing after leaving work late. But it wasn't until September of 2006, that's about two years later, when her remains were found. Her brother, Frank Bendix, was watching her kids while she was working that night she went missing. After many calls went unanswered, her family and coworkers became nervous. The family contacted Jamestown police, and an investigation began into her disappearance. Now, two years later, her remains were discovered by hunters in the woods. Now, this case has many twists and turns, and we're going to take you through all of them. On this episode, you're going to hear from Margaret Queen and Anne Chemleski, who are Yolanda's sisters. You will also hear from Jamestown Police Captain Robert Samuelson, who has been investigating this case for about a decade. There are a lot of details that come with this case, so this episode might be a little bit longer than most of ours will. We're going to start with Captain Samuelson. He'll take us back nearly two decades to the very start of this investigation. Talk to me about the the day that Yolanda Bendix went missing. She was reported missing on the 11th of August. Uh, I know the anniversary is, is from the family is considered the 10th, and that's when and, and that's when she actually went missing when she was last seen. wasn't reported until the 11th. Um, the case was followed up on through uh, the FBI as well as our department as well as uh, several other area departments. Uh, searches were done. Uh, vast searches were done across the area, uh, searching woods, searching uh, uh, everywhere, bodies of water. Um, and it wasn't until September of 2006, uh, a little more than two years later, where she was recovered uh, in the area north of Jamestown, uh, in a wooded area. How long have you been in a part of the investigation into the Yolanda Bendix case? Uh, I have been actively involved in it since 2009. Uh, the case started in 2004. But since 2009, we've been able to continue the investigation uh, in conjunction with the Chautauqua County Sheriff's Department, along with the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Now, the case has pretty much run cold, and uh, right now we are still looking for any leads that anybody may have. We have followed up on several leads that did come in over the last couple of years, but we have nothing as far as a positive lead that we can release. In the past, I want to say year and a half, um, there has been new information that I have received that is rather significant and could very well point to one direction and kind of narrowing things down. Um, what's going to come of it? I'll leave that to the um, sheriff's department and, you know, the new DA Schmidt. That's Margaret Queen, Yolanda Bendix's sister. The Bendix family has been very passionate about solving this case ever since Yolanda went missing. Margaret and Anne say recent changes in leadership in Chautauqua County has given them a new sense of hope. We were fortunate enough to get the new DA elected. Um, I mean, we were fortunate not to get him elected, but that he was elected. Um, and he put together a cold case and 
Yolanda's case was definitely one of the top stories that he wants, he was interested in working on. I, I don't want to say first necessarily, but one of the top ones that he wanted to work on. And they talked about re-interviewing people and revisiting and having new eyes, a new set of eyes look at the case. And um, we're hopeful that with re-interviewing, maybe even other people will still come forward. Tips are still coming in and st tips are still more welcome. I mean, there's reward money. We can't stress that enough. He, in fact, is acting on his words and putting together that cold case unit. Um, I was, I talked to him briefly. I didn't, you know, we didn't, there wasn't a whole lot we could d discuss. He was too new still to, uh, to the case, I guess. But, uh, but we're lucky to have a new set of eyes and more people, more law enforcement presence, I guess. That opportunity is honestly um, a blessing, and it's definitely a, um, I can't even define the word, but definitely a blessing. He, he you know, he, he definitely has expressed and has shown, um, and I say shown in his, you know, demeanor that he's, he's, he wants justice for my family. And, and I, I trust that he is going to do everything he can to see that that happens. Um, you know, is that going to happen tomorrow? Not necessarily. But, you know, he, he definitely, um, his motto is victims first. So Yolanda went missing on August 10th, 2004. She was leaving work and was expected to be right home after she ran an errand. She had asked me to call her at 8 o'clock when she got done with work because she had something to tell me. And when I tried at, um, it was probably about five minutes after eight, I tried to call and there was no answer. Um, I waited a few minutes because it was typical for her that if she didn't answer right away, she would call me within a few minutes back and she didn't. And so I called her back maybe 10 to 15 minutes again and left a voicemail and that was it. And I never heard from her again. Um, she was at her job at the Family Dollar, which is where we're hoping to hold this vigil next month. We could talk about that too. Yeah. Um, uh, she was locking up her, she ended her shift, I believe at 8 p.m. And her and her coworker said their goodbyes, parted ways. Um, nothing seemed, Yolanda, her coworker said Yolanda seemed normal, nothing frantic or nothing, nothing obscure or whatever. Um, she called my brother who was watching her kids that she was going to stop at the store, use her WIC checks to, because they were going to expire or whatever, so she had to go that night um, and said that, you know, she'll be a little while. And then she ended up never making it to the store and never being heard from again. And so when I got to work, the following morning on August 11th, um, I got settled and went to go open, you know, read my emails. And there was one from Anne and Anne had asked if I had heard from Yolanda because she never came home that night. And I knew then that something, I knew something, something 
that happen. Yeah, at that point, missing persons, uh, unfortunately, are not a rare thing. We take missing person cases almost every day. This one became suspicious uh, within the within 24 hours once we realized that something had actually probably happened to her, that there was criminal behavior involved. Uh, we were able to make some interviews and, and speak to family members as well as speak to uh, her employer. Once we determined that there was a suspicious nature, that's when the uh, criminal investigation was launched. We all went, yeah, we all went searching pretty much almost immediately, like the night, well, I shouldn't say we all did, the ones that were in Jamestown did. Yeah. Um, and my sister Chris found her car at Arby's. She was leaving work at the Family Dollar and her car was found over at an Arby's. How far was the Arby's from where she was last seen? It's less than a half a mile. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things that the investigators looked at very closely. Obviously the car was forensically examined and everything in that part was looked into. Uh, not only by our department, but also the Federal Bureau of Investigation. It is an area that's not, uh, there's not a lot of people in that area. There, It's just, it is a rather busy traveled roadway, but there's not a lot of homes in that general area. So yes, that was one of the things we looked at. And unfortunately at that time, there wasn't really video to look at. So after you found her car, that's really where the central location for search parties began. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we definitely, we, we searched all over that I mean, we went, I think we maybe even, I don't know if we crossed into PA, but we got to like the border of PA. Like we, yeah, we searched constantly. I mean, I had co-workers from here. I worked at the bank. I had my co-worker friends come. My neighbor next door came out. They, he bought his, him, they bought ATVs. Like we did so many searches. I mean, my mom came on them searches too. And that makes me want to cry too because... I couldn't even imagine looking, you know, being a mom and like your child is missing. Two whole years went by without knowing what happened to Yolanda. That is until September 2006, when hunters stumbled upon human remains in the woods. Hunters happened to be in Charlotte. Um, it wasn't hunting season, but they, I guess they went, they used to find their little stakeout places so they can maybe target practice shoot shooting practice or something I'm not sure but they always went to the same area kind of I guess and um the female I can't remember their names but um which I'm thankful for them intensely so because and it was by fluke that they even found her remains but instead of taking the path back out they found their spot they went they were going to their truck to get their stuff to set up and instead of taking the path she like cut through and I think found a, a human bones. Uh, our department was advised that uh, some remains had been found and the uh, Chautauqua County forensic team as well as I believe the New York State Police forensic team actually went up there and investigated and did the recovery which took some time as you can imagine because the body had been there for over two years. Um, <clears throat> and they located and they were able to positively identify it as our Yolanda Bindix. Um, it was, obviously it was kind of a mixed feelings, because, I mean, not that there's any joy in learning that, but knowing that we didn't have to search, we didn't have to wonder, my parents were, you know, my mom walked constantly, and she had bad legs too, but she walked probably all, the whole entire city of Jamestown, I imagine, she herself would go hang flyers and stuff and so at least 
knowing that we, she, we, her, we didn't even have to go searching anymore was a relief. Though it was a relief, it did not bring back their sister, who they so desperately missed. We were pretty inseparable when I lived in Jamestown before I moved down here to North Carolina. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were often mistaken as twins. That's how close we were. I mean, we were very similar in so many ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I can definitely laugh at that. Yeah. In fact, her and I, I mean, I kind of hate to admit this, but her and I had a little bit of a falling out, and we were really kind of in the process of re-getting, you know, like, making things better, rekindling or whatever you call it, um, right before she went missing. But I remember uh, just a few months, I think we had a picnic at one of the parks in Jamestown. And I remember we were taking pictures and we were like just doing the peace sign. <laughs> she, was, she just looked so silly doing I'm like, that just makes me laugh because she thought she was cool, but she looked so silly. I'm like, aw. Now, there are two persons of interest in this case. And the family tells us both men had some type of relationship with Yolanda. And not, it's not that it's even new, but the fact that neither of the two have ever been cleared. Mm -hmm. um, I know I made this mistake of saying that one of them passed a lie detector, and that's not necessarily the case. It may have been inconclusive, and I think that's important, um, because passing is a whole different story. So you're referring to the two persons of interest in this case, which were um, Michael Watson, who was a Jamestown police officer at the time, and who was seeing Yolanda at the time of her missing, when she went missing. And then also Clarence Cart, who was a father of one of her children, correct? Correct. Those were kind of the two main suspects that police were looking into at Absolutely. the time of her disappearance. So talk to me about where things stand now. I mean, both of them are still persons of interest? Absolutely. Neither one has been cleared. Um, there's obviously reasons that they have not been cleared, which I don't know. No, at this point, Leanne, in the, in the investigation, we can't comment on any persons of interest. What we've done is we've been able to take some additional leads uh, and go from there. We're still trying to connect some of the pieces that we, um, quite frankly, don't make sense to us. And uh, we're still looking for information from the public, uh, anybody that may have seen something or heard something. And we, we still believe that there's somebody out there that knows something about what happened because we don't believe this was done uh, by somebody acting alone. We have talked multiple times, and I know that you were just recently featured on a national show, Still a Mystery, and when you got that call for a, a national program that wanted to talk about what happened to your sister, what was that moment like for you? I mean, I just get chills thinking about it because that's obviously very huge. Obviously, people know, local know the story, mm -hmm. but it hasn't really reached a large audience or a national audience, I should say. Quite frankly, I credit the, the Bendix and the uh, Margaret Queen and her family for the diligent work that they've done uh, in helping the, helping get this information out through social media as well as through uh, other other media outlets they've done. They've done uh, incredible work trying to get information out there about this case and uh, our heart goes out to them. Do the right thing and help our family. Uh, clear your conscience. You can't possibly be able to live a very peaceful life knowing that somebody cold-bloodedly took a young mother away from her children. Truthfully, I, I mean, it, I would love to see the 
individual or individuals held accountable. I would like to see that, you know, they are, um, I would love to see more than anything the truth. Um, all these years, my family has wondered and bounced back and forth and, you know, was told so much, as I mentioned earlier, that, you know, it was hard to kind of pan out, you know, what is the truth and what's not. And you kind of want to, you know, for I know myself, and I'm sure I can speak for my family that, you know, we want to, you know, grasp at any truth that we can get our hands on. Um, so for me, it would mean everything to hold the, you know, her killer killers, whomever is involved, if there's more than one accountable and to learn the truth of what really happened and who really did this and why they did this. And just listening to Anne and Margaret talk about this case, it really just it gives me chills. Their family has been working tirelessly for 17 years to do whatever they possibly can to try and get this case solved for Yolanda. Right, Leanne, and that brings us to the part of the podcast that might start to feel repetitive in the future as we go on and on because we're going to ask for your help. If you have information about this case specifically, you're asked to contact the Chautauqua County District Attorney, FBI, the Sheriff's Office, or the Jamestown Police Department. To contact the Jamestown Police Department specifically, you can call 716-483-7536. And for more information on this case, or to watch all of our unsolved reports, you can go to our website, which is WGRZ.com, or you can download our Two in Your Side app, which is on the Apple Store or Google Play. Thank you so much for sticking with us through our very first episode of Unsolved. Like we said at the beginning of this episode, it's been a long time coming, especially for Leanne, who has been putting in the work for the TV part of this for literally years, and then um, working together for the past several months to kind of make this happen. Leanne, any final thoughts before we tell them how to contact us? I guess I'm just excited to see the first episode come to a conclusion after all of this time of talking about it. So if you guys want to get in contact with us, Twitter's the best way you can reach us, really. My handle is at Leanne Stuck. And I'm at Amanda underscore Burke 16. We'll also have the links for those on WGRZ.com, so it's way easier to find us. We want to hear from you. Um, like we've said, we're both from this area. We really want to engage with the people who are around us and who are searching for answers. You can send us your unsolved cases or if you have a tip for us or just some feedback or let us know what you think about this big project um, we're really excited to share it with you so that does it for this week we will see you back here next week for another episode of unsolved true crime in western new york